got questions, he always has an answer. It's Sean Hannity. This afternoon at 2, right before Joe Walsh at 5, on AM 560, The Answer. Well, it was a uh, colorful day yesterday between the paid protesters at the Kavanaugh hearing, and I'm not talking just about the U.S. Senators, in addition to them, uh, to uh, the audio of, of Trump's exchange with Bob Woodward regarding uh, his uh, inability to figure out a time to sit down with Woodward or to get the message that Woodward wanted to sit down in advance of his book on the Trump administration, which is a rite of passage for presidents for about the last uh, 50 years with respect to Woodward. And, um, you know, and, and well, 50 may be exaggerating, but the last 30, 30, 30 35 years. years. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I mean, Trump... It's the way Trump kind of brushed it off. I don't know. The message didn't get to me, but it sounds like I'm going to have uh, another bad book. Uh, what are you going to do? It comes with a job. I don't care. The important thing is uh, focusing on uh, all the good that I've done because uh, things have never been better for the country than under this guy. But you never called for me. It would have been nice, Bob, if you called for me in my office. I mean, I have a secretary. I have two, three secretaries. If you would have called directly, a lot of people are afraid to Raj. I hardly have, you know, I don't speak to Raj. I do, I do. And Kellyanne went to somebody, but she didn't come to me. She should have come to me. Uh, she does have access to me, absolutely. She has direct access, but she didn't come to me. And you know what? That's okay. I'll just end up with another bad book. What can I tell you? <laughs> it's surprising to me that these people, did Raj have access to you? Uh, not really, but uh, he would have been able to uh, do it. But I have I have an office. You have the, the office number. I have an office that's directly into my office. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you what matters. The economy is the best it's been in many, many decades, and it's going to get a lot better. And the country is doing very well. That's what's important. That's what's important, says President Trump to Bob Woodward. Is he going to continue to be able to say that uh, through the fourth quarter of this calendar year? For more on the topic, we're pleased to be joined by our friend Stephen Moore, Wall Street Journal columnist, chief economist for CNN. Steve, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Good morning, guys. Uh, so uh, what about that? Uh, the economy is doing better than it's done in decades. Uh, things are going good with the country. And that's the important thing, says President Trump. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, the economy is firing on all cylinders right now, no question about it. And we're actually seeing a pickup in growth now. I mean, the latest forecast for the um, third quarter GDP, which, you know, at the uh, end of uh, September is when that quarter is, is over, uh, 4.5% growth. And, and that's something that almost all the liberal economists said was impossible because, of course, the Messiah couldn't get us to 3 to 4% growth. So how could, how could Donald Trump possibly do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's right. I mean, and, and by the way, you know, during the campaign, as you know, uh, Larry and I, Larry Kudlow and I worked, you know, with Trump during the campaign, that every single poll that we looked at from the time he first started running for president in April of 2015 through Election Day, the number one issue for the country was jobs. The number two issue for the, uh, for the country was the economy, jobs and the economy. That's what it was all about. And now we've got you know, this this uh, turbocharged economy. And it's so interesting to me. Nobody in the media wants to talk about the economy anymore. Now, let me make another point, though, if I may, because, um, you know, I do know Donald Trump. I've gotten to know him pretty well. Uh-huh. And I am a great admirer of his. I mean, I think what he's done on the economy has been fantastic. But one of his fatal flaws, uh, may, no, I shouldn't say fatal flaws, but one of his flaws that we're now discovering is he's not always the best judge of character. You know, and some of the people that he surrounded himself with uh, in the White House and, and, and in the campaign 
were just not upstanding people. And they were people who were, uh, you know, like, what's this woman's name? Ambrosia or the Amorosa. You know, who, who goes to the White House and, and, and tapes every conversation? I mean, that's such a subversive activity. And then, you know, people like, uh, you know, we know that one of the major sources for the uh, Woodworth book is, is uh, Gary Cohn. Yeah. Gary Cohn was going to be Hillary Clinton's chief economist. And somehow, right after the election, Donald Trump falls in love with the guy, and, and uh, he becomes the chief economist, not Larry Kudlow, because it wasn't Kudlow out of the gates. And I had predicted, by the way, I think I predicted on this show, but I know I predicted, I said, you know, six months after Gary Cohn leaves, he is going to either write a book, you know, trashing oh. Trump, or he's going to be the source for a book that trashes Trump. And unfortunately, I was right about that. So I think the problem is, you know, Trump has surrounded himself with, uh, some people are never Trumpers. Well, yeah, and, uh, and Michael Cohen, not to mention his personal attorney. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but also, Gary Cohen, there's another cautionary tale there. We talked about it when he was named, and that's the uh, revolving door of guys from Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, yeah. the big rent seeking banks that these amoral scumbags like John Corzine and Gary Cohen yeah. may be just yeah. a step or two above that. You got it. You got it. it. It is the revolving door. That's a great way to describe it. And, you know, it's Robert Rubin. Remember him? Yeah. He, was a, he was a Goldman Sachs guy. I mean, you could go down the whole list of, of people who who worked as chairman of, of Goldman Sachs. And by the way, do you think it's a coincidence, Dan and Amy, that every time we make a financial decision, uh, you know, that, that the government, you know, changes the rules, what company always comes out smelling like a rose? Yeah, Goldman Sachs, like when they got yeah, when they exactly. bailed out AIG to save Goldman in the recession. Or exactly, yeah. you know, and so that's how these people get rich, and and so that was a that was a, a big mistake. One other quick thing about the the uh, the Woodward book, you know, uh, last night I was watching CNN, and and you know they were just pillorying Trump, and and one of the 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 few Trump people they had on said, well, look, you know, you can't always believe everything that Bob Woodward says, and you know, the sources, you know, half of the sources in the book, by the way, have already said, I never said that. Right. You know? right. So, and anyway, CNN said, oh my God, it's Bob Woodward. He's a God. He doesn't, he doesn't lie about this stuff. I mean, he's an unimpeachable source. Well, uh, there was a very famous story that uh, he wrote a book, Woodward, back maybe 20 years, 20, 25 years ago about Bill Casey, the, uh, he was the director yeah. of the CIA under yeah. Reagan. Blame the I don't know guy. if you know the story, right. but Woodward claims that he had an interview with Bill Casey literally on his deathbed when he was in the hospital, where he basically, Bill Casey spilled his guts apparently to, uh, to Woodward and said, everything we did was wrong. And, you know, it was like this deathbed conversion by, by, uh, by Bill Casey. Nobody believes it was true. They have they have cameras in the hospital. A family member was with him every single day in the last week of his life. There was zero opportunity for Bob Woodward completely made that up. Completely made it up. Really? Well, that's a, so that's, this yeah. is the guy who yeah. we say, oh, he's unimpeachable. He never makes things up. He may, We know with almost 100% certainty he made up that story. Well, it never it's happened. Well, it's, a, it's not even about Bob Woodward. The idea that anyone in the media would say someone is unimpeachable. We don't have to examine it because this person is unimpeachable. Well, what kind of journalism is that? No one is unimpeachable, especially in politics and media. Oh well, my you gosh. are you and you and Amy are unimpeachable, but other than Amy that, is not me. <laughs> um, here, one other thing, just on personnel decisions, since you were uh, pointing this out with respect to Gary Cohn in the book, how about uh, the uh, trade team, Navarro, Wilbur Ross, Lighthizer? Good personnel decisions. 
Um, look, Navarro, I don't always agree with Peter Navarro, but Peter Navarro was a guy with Trump from the beginning, and he has a, an outlook on China that is maybe different than mine and, and Larry's. He's, you know, he wrote a book called Death by China. Trump, you know, was taken by that stuff, and so I don't have a problem with Peter Navarro being part of that, uh, that uh, part of that group. Lighthizer, I don't always agree with him on trade. He actually knows a hell of a lot about trade law, and that's a big advantage when you're in these negotiations because there's thousands and thousands of pages of, of trade law. Uh, and Wilbur Ross, look, he was there. You know, he he was there with Trump from the beginning as well. But the most important thing for Trump, I think, is to have both sides. You know, if you're going to have people like Wilbur Ross, who's more of a trade protectionist than I am, at least you need somebody like, you know, Mnuchin and a Larry Kudlow to, to balance that that debate. So I don't have a problem with those three. I, I just hope that uh, the free marketeers prevail in some of these debates. And frankly, I actually think Trump is winning on Trump trade. I really do. I think he got a big deal um, with Mexico that is more advantageous to the United States. I will predict on this show that within a week or two, yeah. Canada is going to come hat in hand and make very substantial concessions to Trump because they can't be the odd man out when it comes to NAFTA, and then you move to the EU, and then you move to China. And I think by the end of this year, Trump is going to have trade deals that lead to freer trade, freer trade and fairer trade for the United States. When that happens, it goes back to your original question. Will the economy continue to prosper? If he gets these trade deals done, you ain't seen nothing yet. From your mouth to Trump's ears. Uh, One local issue I wanted to have uh, you tackle. Um, Illinois uh, just set the record. So, uh, you know, you're a native Illinois, North Shore. So I wanted to uh, celebrate this for you. Um, uh, We broke the record for uh, pension debt in the United States history. Uh, Thank you very much. Congratulations. It took everybody. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of credit or lack of credit to go around. Moody's Investor Service released a report at the end of August. Uh, Illinois' unfunded liabilities uh, grew 25% in 2017 to $250 billion. That equates to 601% of own source revenue, meaning money brought in uh, by the state, excluding federal funds. The ratio of pension debt to revenue is the highest on record for any U.S. state. The national median is one-sixth of that, 107%. Wow. So, you know, I have a solution to the problem. Okay, what is it? Issue more debt. Okay. I, I, I mean, I thought that was the Illinois solution. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, hey, we found a way out of this. We're going we're gonna to get rid of the pension debt by issuing other kind of debt. Paying off the pension. I mean, I'm not making this up, right? I mean, isn't that the, yeah. what the politicians want? We, uh, we're going we to fought... switch bond A with bond B. We have. Uh... <laughs> and therefore, voila. Only only the people in Springfield can come up with that kind of solution. We follow the Joe Biden philosophy here. We need to continue spending to keep from going bankrupt. <laughs> exactly. But um, look, I mean, why would anybody leave, come move to Illinois and buy a house there when, no. you know, a lot of what you're going to be paying for in terms of your record high property taxes is not for any government services. You're just going to be paying for the debt for the services that were provided 20 and 25 years ago. Bingo. Steve Moore, CNN chief economist, Wall Street Journal columnist. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. OK. Have a great week, guys. Take you care. Too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.